Happy Friday. If you're listening to this on a Friday, that's when this is getting posted. Um, just want to give you a heads up. So this episode is actually part two. I posted part one back in the spring with Andrew Mercer, and then uh, life got a little busy. But we're back at it. want to make sure you guys got a show this week. Um, so this is on the Portman Show exclusive site. So you guys should check out the Portman Show. I'll have a link in the show notes. Um, with Andrew Mercer and uh, Puke and Brett Vinat. That's who's normally on that show, or James Schmiel. Um, so give that, give them a listen. I'm a big fan. I was on their show uh, recently. Um, but this is an older show from the spring, so me and Andrew were talking about what we wanted to do business-wise. The first half is us bitching about you know COVID and everything else like that. So that's already out, and then the second one's more positive. So I hope you guys enjoy this show. There's going to be some new episodes next week. So just wanted to get you guys something to listen to, and I hope you guys make it a great day. Look at him. There's a secret place that I go in my mind where there's no trouble, where the pain gets left behind. A place that I control all the thoughts that meet my soul. The lie, the lie, the lie, the lie. Your desire sets you free. Your desire, oh, it's got to be free. Oh, yeah. I was a podcaster it really helped with my sanity and i think like that's probably why i steered the conversation into the bitch fest because i needed to get it off my chest so and hopefully it resonated with other people listening so now we can move on and let go and just focus on like how we can just focus on getting paid and getting laid <laughs> well okay you know what we're back into the show already we're gonna i'm gonna cut it somewhere previous to this but couple of questions in the chat uh Severman says rather than just throwing it away what are some creative ways to deal with excess product oh for me yeah uh, well so i have a dehydrator i haven't really dehydrated any microgreens but um there's actually a guy across the street that um he works for a uh, a church food um food pantry so the plan is to give it to the plantry. What's that? The plantry. Yeah, yeah. I need to make it so I give it to him. But my usual plan is just to sell out, and then like I give. I mean, I give if if it would like it was. I was I was facing some real some real uh, some real cash flow problems when you came in, and I just say that whenever I say like business is bad. Uh, instead of saying business is bad, I'm just having some cash flow issues at the moment. Um, and so like, I remember I forgot, remember we forgot to give you, I was going to give you some microgreens, had some pounds set aside. So usually I'll give them to like friends and family or I give them to the neighbors. Um, we feed them the worms. I mean, other times we do compost them, but yeah, I I don't like wasting anything. I mean, find a pig farmer. You'll never waste a thing again. Yeah, or chickens. So, like, the chicken farmers are good, too. So, anyone with chickens, I mean, the microgreens are so good for everybody. But chickens especially, I mean, like, the, the whole plan, which we're, we're probably not going to do that. So, um, Rich and I are going to be parting ways March 1st. So, we're going to, he's going to move on to hopefully some brighter things. Um, the business is going to go. It's just, we just need to kind of move in different directions. Um but so if anybody wants to start their own farm, I mean, Rich is a good dude to have on. I'll, I'll vouch for the dude. Um, he works super hard and he's, he's, he's very, very good systems guy. But, um, you know, so the, the plan, like he's, he's got a worm bin. So sometimes we'll feed him to the worms. But the plan was originally because I'm not at the point to where um, 
I can't take advantage of all my soil yet. So my, my soil is some, is probably my biggest cost. Um, cause I got to get a pallet of soil. Like when things are really moving, I'm getting like a pallet and a half of soil, like a couple pallets of soil a month. And that's about, you know, close to 600 bucks a pop. Um, so I, I obviously it's organic soil, so I don't want to just send it to the landfill. So the original plan was to just feed the chickens. So get some chickens and then don't actually ever buy chicken feed and just have, uh, chickens that live off microgreens waste. So usually whenever, I mean, the ideal thing in like the type of farming that I'm into is one waste product is actually a food source for something else. And then the waste source for that of that food source is actually, you know, it's actually fertilizer for your beds and stuff like that. But it's, you know, that stuff is really cool to do. And if you can manage it, it's great. And an urban environment, man. And then uh, what tougher. I, what's that? It's a little tougher just because you're, you have limitations on you. Yeah. And I'm not, um, yeah, I mean, it's what I do is not really sustainable. Um, when everyone talks about it, oh, he's a sustainable farmer. There's no such thing as sustainable farming. So, period. okay. Um, just to, to keep going through these questions here, where's some creative workarounds for complying with laws? Oh, uh, like, cause you're distributing the restaurants, right? Yeah. And it's a very, I, uh, I have, I have farmer's market insurance. It covers where I sell to restaurants, but I don't ask for permission from anybody. Well, what permission even is there? I mean, I guess if I really wanted to look for reasons why I couldn't do something, I'd go to ODA and I try to get registered with ODA, which is the Ohio Department of Agriculture. And then I could really try to make my life miserable and Ask the health department if I'm in line with everything. Yeah, these are all the same fuckers who are shutting down businesses. Right, The Department right. of Agriculture, so, the health department, and the Liquor Control Board. These correct. are the organizations that are trying to shut people down. Correct. So, it, you know, the biggest thing, man, is if create a superior product, which in reality, if you're a small craft producer in agriculture or in um, if you're an artisan of any kind, it's not hard to do. So, uh, okay. Uh, and, and then just take it to the marketplace. And if you believe in the free market, which I do, um, you know, now that's going to be a little tricky. You need to have some networking skills, um, to do what I do. But I mean, man, like it's, there's great lead, read Harvey McKay, go and join just networking groups and just get to know people. For fuck's sake, you've mentioned your buddy relating to like 800 different people on this show already. Yeah, yeah, right. That's true. Yeah, I, so I mean, I, friends, finding good like-minded people has always been easy for me to do, and I, and I and I think it's like, um, well, not really. I mean, I I learned a lot of skills failing multiple for years at network marketing, but I learned to network. Um, I think there's a good book. So the guy that wrote Never Split the Difference, the guy that co-authored that book with him, wrote another book that's uh, I think it's called Never Eat Alone. And it's a really good networking book. Um, but Harvey McKay, I mean, Harvey McKay, it, I'm, I'm a big fan of like old school books, like How to Win Friends and Influence People, Success with People by Cabot Robert. I think that book's better. And a lot of people don't know what I mean. Like, I'm a big fan of Og Mandino. I mean, I'm a big fan of like old school books that people, that Amway used to make people read. You know what I mean? Or like the... The company that's now Primerica, like I mean, like there's a lot to learn from old school multi-level marketing, personal growth and self-development books, and I think like, but they're really just old school sales books. So like shit that old insurance people used to read. I mean, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I think, is a must-read for anybody that's serious about taking control of their own life. Actually, the the guy who I kind of look at as a mentor, um, he is that old school salesman. You know, uh, that's why we get along. Marketing stuff. That's the cloth. That's the cloth I'm cut from, man. So that's probably why we get along because we're both kind of old school salesman guys, man. And we're if we're fucking, we don't belong in our era, but I think we do well in our careers because there's not a lot of traffic in the past that we choose to make money. So, okay, uh, one more question, and then I, I have some direct questions for you too. Um, okay. 
So Severman says, if someone approaches you to ask for a job, what is the best thing they could say to you? And I can answer this too. But if someone just says, hey, Drew, I like what you're doing. I want to work for you. What can they then say to make you actually be interested? You don't have to pay me much money. I just want to learn because I don't yeah. have much money to pay them. <laughs> no, that that's, that's you know, I, I want somebody who would say, I'm willing to learn anything. Or if somebody yeah. says, look, I don't want to get paid per work. I want to get paid per performance or I want to get paid for value add. So Correct. like I'm out there employing a lot of people to do a lot of different things. And this is a topic that I want to get into actually. I have a lot of people that I'm paying to do a ton of different things and everybody just wants to get paid by the hour, by the job. And it's like, look, fuck face. I'm, I'm open to the idea of letting you be a part of this and like taking over a profit center and you stand to make so much more, just take some ownership of it. And they're just like, no, I I just want to get paid this flat amount no matter what. And all that creates is that person does a shittier and shittier job over time and then feels entitled to more and more money over time. You know, the thing I like most about Tim is that I know he will work his ass off for four hours straight. He will work so hard for four hours. Anything beyond four hours, he kind of reaches his point, but that dude wants to get work done as fast and as efficient as possible. And and he really just appreciates the conversations. I mean, Tim is seriously like the son I never wanted. I mean... Uh, I, I love Tim. I, I would I will do anything to help Tim. This is the young guy who looks at his phone. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't look at his phone all the time. But when he does, I make fun. I mean, you were there. I mean, like, I break his balls and I say all this stuff, and like, he's just as happy to be a part of something. And he he would do anything I asked him to do. And most of the time that he fucks up, it's because I give him bad directions. Yeah, that's that's the thing too. When you're employing people, it's it's very it all hard to falls f- on you. <laughs> yeah, but it's very hard to figure out like, okay, did this person fuck up or did I fuck up? That's a hard thing to figure out. I always blame myself first and then I go back and then what really sucks is when they fucked up because yep. then I have to have an uncomfortable conversation with Exactly. Them. So uh, you know, when when I was out there, I talked about the cathartic you know, process of just helping you out. But how much of that are you doing? Like how much that's, that is grunt work. Not, yeah, I, it, it's absolutely grunt work, but it's, again, it's grunt work that I loved doing. So how much of that is your life where you could be doing something else, something higher leverage? So that is the whole point of having like Tim and rich and like, um, rich did a lot of the stuff I hated to do at first. Like I did not like planting. I still don't because I'm a sales guy and I knew I needed to learn to be an accountant. I needed to learn to be a bookkeeper. I I needed to learn to do because like when you're a sales guy, as you know, now as a sales guy, business owner, like when those other skills that you didn't realize you needed hit you in the face, you're like, I have money coming in. but What, what's going on here? Like what? You know what I mean? Like, why? What am I missing? What? Why are what? Why are thirty percent of my thoughts about taxes? Yeah, yeah. How come? Uh, how come I owed like my first year in business when I was doing it part time, and I had a job. Man, I fucked myself so hard on taxes. Don't we I, all? I didn't. I didn't track my expenses. I didn't count my miles. My accountant. I, I didn't have good accountants. Um, I, there was so much like you, like I paid, but I got such a good education that I just sought out different books. Like I, you know, I, I learned different systems that would work for me. Um, and I think that was like, like profit first, man. Like that's what I do for bookkeeping. That's what I do for accounting. And then like, I, I want to shout out Doe Dubes too, because Doe Dubes has similar methods for what you do with when you actually pay yourself. Um, and like he's he's the he's the president of the Hotep Nation. He's only like thirty, but he's a he's a dude that's all about like, look, you got to get paid. You got to focus on what you can control. Uh, I'm focused on 
making sure my family doesn't have to work as hard as I worked. You know what I mean? And, I, and that's, that's, those are the type of people. That's why I like you. That's why I like a lot of people because it's like, look, I know where I came from and I don't want my progeny to have to deal with the same thing I did. And what motivates me was I know the sacrifices my grandparents and parents made to give me the life that I had. So I know I need to do better because they knew they needed to do better. And so I think like th those are the type of people I like to learn from, like people that I can relate to. And so I think, you know, you, you got to seek out mentors. I think, um, you know, I have a, you know, I, I, I sought out the people in urban farming and small scale farming that were the loudest talkers about how well they were doing in business. But then I was lucky to find Joseph Swain in Columbus who was doing better than they were, but he's not really loud about it. You right. know what I mean? Well, and, that's the thing. The people who are actually successful, they're not the ones you hear about or see. Yeah. They don't want to be bothered. I, you know, in they're real too estate, busy focusing on themselves and not bitching about politics. Right. Right. And, but also are just not promoting them. Not that, you know, their business think, isn't self-promotion. Their business is their business. Correct. And I think, you know, there needs to be, there is a time for guys like us to make what we've done become a product. But I think a part of it is it's scary to, I think it, that, that that's, it's scary for me, but I, I know that it's something I should probably do because it would help people. But I think that, um, you know, when, when I look at the guys that I met in real estate who I learned the most from, from doing, you know, Cori, which is my local RIA, they were ghosts in the machine. I mean, they pretty much own nothing on paper. Most of the stuff they owned was in their Roth IRA and or it was self-directed Roth IRA. And I remember, um, this guy, Bill Cook, I love Bill Cook was on my podcast. If anybody's listening is into real estate, Bill Cook had his thing called his five mile circle and he would just go out and door knock. And he was originally an Electrolux vacuum salesman. And then he had to learn how to door knock and transition from trying to sell something to someone to trying to buy something from people. And that was a totally different, like that, that was a, that was a, when I went door knocking with him in Cincinnati, like I learned so much just by watching him. And, uh, man, I remember I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of money at the time. And, Oh, it was my first, it was my, it was my second season, second summer of farming. It was 2018, like full time. And I remember I called him. I said, Hey, I'm going to, cause I went out on a podcast with him and I, and, uh, picked his brain. He was just a really gracious, nice guy. And, uh, but he got all of his, like all of his property were in a five mile circle and he door knocked to get every one of them. And it was, he said, when you go with me door knocking, it's a party. Everywhere I go, people ask me, I want to come in. They try to give me sandwiches. They try to give me water. They try to do anything. They just love Bill. Hey, it's Bill. Oh, you want to sell a house? Talk to Bill. Oh, you need to buy a house? Talk to Bill. You know what I mean? And he had just networked and it was just old school. But what about and the flip side of that, the rejection side? Because I think for a lot of people, for the most part, like for your W-2 employee, just that first rejection where it's not a party, where Bill's not invited in, that's going to stop him, and that's the end of it. Hey, listen, some will, some won't, so what next? But So how do you deal with the rejection? Because that's a big part of any kind of sales I, or deal-making. I, I, I don't know why a two-letter word crushes people, but it does. It still kind of crushes people. me. I don't like telling no to people. Like, it's kind of the opposite. I don't mind if you tell me no. I'm so used to it. I'm like, cool, man, no problem. But if I have to tell you no, hey, man, it's not really going to work for me because I, I really want our experience to be good. Uh, and so, like, it kind of is weird. You get from a point you're what's even weirder is you're going to get to a point to where no's don't bother you. And then saying no to people will really bother you. Yeah. Right. Because you, you, you empathize with those people you're saying no to. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I remember this is like but. That the biggest thing I ever learned was some will, some won't. So what next? I mean, just move, keep it moving, man. Right. My, no, my, isn't the worst thing. The worst thing to get is somebody saying, "Yeah, maybe," and then they string you along. God. And this, this, I'm thinking know. about this through the lens of real estate or through the lens of, of just my day job. Like, I'd rather have a no so I can take it out of my CRM 
and just get it off of there. And if it's out of my CRM, it's not something that's in the, the amorphous blob that's floating over my head, giving me anxiety going, when is this going to happen? I'd rather just have a no. But I, I think, you know, Never Split the Difference is a good book to read if you hate no's, because then you'll realize that you really want people to tell you no when you read that book. Um, yeah, the getting to know portion of the book. Yeah, no's are great. No's open up doors. No's help you know where you somebody's the fuck on. Let's move the fuck on. Or a no is actually sometimes a way better yes, and you don't even realize it. Yep. So, um, man, I was going to say... Uh, Oh, yeah. So just to finish with Bill Cook. So Bill, I really kind of he's probably my dad's age. And so like my dad was working and he was making he was making good money. So I said, hey, dad, can I borrow 300 bucks from you so I can do this course? And so I signed up for the course. Right. So I told Bill, I said, hey, Bill, I'll see you on Saturday. I got a loan from my dad. And he goes, you did what? I've been on my own since I was 18. I never asked my dad for a dime. How can an old man, how can a grown man be proud of the fact that he's benefiting himself because his dad let him some money? When I couldn't afford something, you know what I did? I knocked on doors. I had a truck and I would go knock on doors and I said, hey, look, uh, I'm trying to get in the real estate business. I need to raise some funds. I got this truck here. Is there anything I can do for you? Can I can I clean your basement out? Can I help you get rid of something? Can I do this? Can I do that? And people would say, well, how much do I need to pay you? And he would say, whatever it's worth to you. And every time, it was always more than he would have asked for people. So I put this cedar on for sale, and my buddy Ari bought it from me. And under the agreement that if I ever wanted to buy it back, he would sell it back to me. No, I've never really wanted to buy it back from him, and he really likes the cedar. And he said I can always go borrow that cedar if I ever needed it. So Bill was thrilled because that's kind of like Bill Cook's thing. Like, if he ever gives you a deal, like he's made multiple deals because it made sense and he did what was right for a family or what was right for people. But it was always like if he gave you a deal, he would always want a, it in the contract. Well, look, as long as I can buy that back from you, we'll do this or. Hey, you know what? When he'd go door knocking, hey, I looked and it looks like your gutters are that. Yeah, I can't afford to get my roof fixed. Well, I tell you what, I got this money in my self-directed Roth IRA. I'll f use it to fix your roof if you give me the first option to buy your house. And so he would do that. And like, so a lot of people don't know, like, hey, look, if they ever need to sell the house and that's on the, that's, that's with the recorder and they go to sell the house, or that person dies and they have to sell the house, they legally still probate have to offer it to him. It's going to contact them and say, hey, such and such died, we see here. So that's another way to get property. But even if it never is a thing, maybe it makes more sense for them to sell the house to somebody else and they'll, Bill will just get a 1000 bucks, or he'll just get his money back for that roof and it will go back in his Roth IRA. So you never know. And so I think it's like, so he does like, uh, he's, a, he's, he's, his big mentors. Do you know who Pete Fortunato is? It sounds familiar, but I can't, I can't place it's, it. They're big creative finance guys. And so like working with Bill and like walking with him, man, like that, that I learned so much from that dude, like just how to like, even in my own business and like Bill would talk to me. He's like, why, why do you want to do real estate? I said, well, cause it makes sense for retirement. He's like, but you're a young man. You got plenty of time to get in this. But it sounds like you need to get your own business going first before you really put time into it. Like, dude, always looked out for what he thought was best for me based on conversations him and I had. Right. And, so, and, and uh, I thought that was always super cool. I want to know this because you talked about your your biggest expense being soil, right? And your your operation is on this small plot of land, on this small property, from what I can tell, primarily be just because it's centrally located, right? Mm. So it reduces your drive time. That's pretty much it. Makes it work, yeah. Yep. So, and you're spending a lot of your time doing the grunt work. Sometimes. I mean, I'm mainly just the harvest I enjoy. Okay. Like, I enjoy the harvest. Like, I when I was harvesting Wednesday... Like I had, I had, I could get in just this flow state because I was just by myself and I was like, 
I need to not listen to anything political and I just need to like get some music going. So I just had some different mixes going. I was just getting in this flow state, harvesting and just really doing like it puts me in a good space to like do a lot of creative visualization. Um, but that's because I like that job. So, so, okay. Well, if that's the case, then what's stopping you from scaling up? What's stopping you from owning the Columbus market or what's stopping you from, from approaching an entirely new market? What's stopping you uh, from having a larger plot of land where you can just do more volume? Because in small-scale farming, more volume doesn't scale with money the same way. I think that um, – and, and also, too, like I want to have the quality of product. Like I think there, there's there, – I, I definitely think there's still room for me to scale. Because I'm just um, thinking like what's stopping you from doing Pittsburgh or Cleveland? Uh, that's a good point. I, I, I definitely would probably do Cleveland um, potentially. I'm, I'm, I'm moving to Toledo now with grocery stores and eventually I'll probably pick up restaurants. I think a lot of it has been, um, figuring out how to do that and not involve myself as much. I think so there's it's not a, a how it's a who. Yeah, it's, it's a who. And it's also, I think I don't, I, another guy in, uh, Corey that I, I met and learned a lot from, he does, um, section eight rentals and my buddy Dave, um, fuck, what's his name? He, he's on, I, there's a pod, I did a podcast with Dave too. And Dave said, you got something all these to me. buddies, man, put them to work. Yeah. Well, I, I need to reach out to him and, um, but I think with Dave, something David said to me is true. The biggest thing that you're missing right now is a clear vision of where you and your company and your wealth needs to be or where and where and how it's going to get there. And I think so. I think I, I definitely need to work a lot more on my vision and where I see myself in this. And I, and you know, um, I want to shout out the, the girlfriend again, because I, you know, man, when you get in a, when you meet somebody that thinks similar and I think like, you know, you alluded to it before, like I'm lucky and I'm not, I'm just trying to shout her out. But I think like when you, transit like man when i first started this farm wife and kids was never a thought but i think like once you actually think about family and what it what it means to have a family and what that looks like in life and then you actually look at multiple generations i think there's something that kind of like for me can be motivating yeah because that's something that i want now it, i wish i didn't want that because i bet i would be a lot more motivating but i i couldn't outsmart my own biology and I definitely know I want that. So I think for me, like it's figuring that out. And I think like, you know, we are, I think within the next year and a half, it's going to be to a point to where I can give a lot more, um, you know, I, I can, I can, I can do a lot. I can leave a lot of the tasks that I'm doing now. Like I, I'm going to transition from being like, you know, we'll go back to level one, Robert Kiyosaki S quadrant for people that don't know the cash flow quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. I think cash flow quadrant and rich dad, poor dad, I think cash flow quadrant is actually better than rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. I think you should read those two books, but the cash flow quadrant is the, is the biggest concept. I mean, like whatever, Robert Kiyosaki, I mean, you can love him and hate him. I mean, there's, there's plenty of things you can find wrong between him and that accountant that helped him write that book and they sued each other and all the other bullshit. But like learn, understanding the E quadrant, the S quadrant, the B quadrant and the so I quadrant. E is employee. S is self-employed. B is business owner. And, and I, I is, is investor. investor. And it's really just kind of like that's, there's not really a ladder that you go through, like everyone gets obsessed with the corporate ladder, but really you should just look at, I'm moving from one box to the next box, to the next box, to the next box. Now, certain people always have one foot in E and I think that's okay. Um, eventually psychologically for some of us, you know, you, you become to a point to where you cannot be unemployable. And I think once you break being employed, like there's, certain freedoms, but I think like, you know, you and I were talking about your situation with your job and it's like, well, 
if I was in your shoes, I would I would probably still be working too. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot some of big um, developments on that front, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> we can talk about that later. I don't know if we really jobs are like something you don't necessarily want to put out in podcasts, like talks, like. So, but you know what I mean? Like, I think like, uh, you know, I think that for me, I went from the E to S like, sure. I own my business and I'm part business owner, but I also created a super cool job for myself. And I think that can be fun. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm starting to miss out on. And, and actually being with you made me realize that because I started outsourcing so much, like I used to do everything myself. We talked about, we have the episode titled, you know, I like cleaning the maggots, right? That was the title of the episode. And that's because I was cleaning the maggots. I was emptying the trash. I was mowing the lawn. I was blowing the leaves. I was doing all of that at multiple different properties. And at this point, I now live an hour away from these properties. I have a guy, JB. He is my lawn care guy. I have a handyman. Brent. He goes and takes care of things. When I'm out of town, I can call either one of these guys to step in and take care of things. I have a cleaner, Candace. She can step in and take care of problems when I'm not around. And that's all well and good. But now I'm at a point where I don't have to go to the properties. Like I, I have a good place to be. Maybe I haven't been inside the one house in, I don't know, over a month. Yeah. I, I would try fucking to make worrisome. it like, you know, so I, I was talking to one of my main chefs about things, and he was like agreeing, yeah, you should have somebody else deliver, and it would be nice if you could just come in and eat. We can talk about sales. But what's odd is business is slow now. So it's like, you know, if business slows down, you know, JB, Candace, and the other guy, sorry, other guy, I forgot right. your name, um, they, unfortunately, you might need to start doing their jobs. I mean, there comes a point to where you need to go back to the quadrant. But it's not even so much that. Like, it, it's not a... Yes, business is slowing down right now, but that's not what would... That's not what's drawing me back to this. What's drawing me back to this is, like, I need to be involved. I have this urge to be more involved with this shit. And yeah, but you can still be involved and give other people jobs. Yes, I, I know. And, and I've also... On the finding other side of that, things, finding that is is difficult to do because it's nice to not have to fuck with it. But the more I give duties to Candace, for example, the more exposed I feel. Well, if she does a good job, I mean, I think it's good for you to go and check their work, and I think it's important for you to go and check their work. Like you need to be able to go. Like you can't until you like you've had these people like you know, employed for like years, you know, until they understand your poor communication skills is the best way I can put it. Um, because like for me and Tim, like I told Tim, like, I remember I was sick. So I had Tim handle deliveries for me. So I was like, Hey, can you take all of the mustard to sew? At least that's what I thought I said, but I said, take the mustard in the cooler to sew. I didn't say all the mustard. Right. And unfortunately, I haven't given Tim a refresher in asking me questions to clarify things. And the same thing happened again. Like I was going up today and I was going to do a delivery to the grocery store. So Tim will package stuff for me. So I was like, okay, I need you to package. In my head, I said to Tim, I need you to package the pound and a half of pea shoots that's available. And I need you to package the old cilantro which should be about 22 ounces, right? But the 22 ounces was like way lower in the text thread. It was like kind of a broken thought. So I'm expecting Tim to understand my broken thought process of saying things. So like I always joke with my good buddy, Greg Huntermark. I'm like, you know, I've known Greg since I was 22 and I'm 35 now. So I understand Greg's weird broken language that he speaks. And Greg's like a good leader. He's a good manager. He's been in, you know, like Greg's Greg got me into the Toledo grocery stores. Like he's 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 been in the grocery business for 45 years. So like, you know, Greg's a great resource for me. But I speak Greg's language. But if you don't, if you're talking to Greg, he'll say the wrong fucking thing and you'll have no idea what he's saying. 
but I know what he's trying to say. And Tim doesn't always know what I'm trying to say. Tim doesn't know when I said this, I actually meant this. And I didn't realize that that's how I talk sometimes. Or like, I'm just so used to Tim being able, like if Tim and I are together, Tim can pick up on what I'm trying to say if we're together. But if it's just through text and it's just some fucking broken thought because I'm focused on five other things, it becomes a problem. I don't know if you have the same issue, but from the sound of it, you're like, yeah, I fuck up too when I'm trying to say stuff to people because it's like, I think I'm telling them something, but I'm actually in the process of thinking what I want and taking this image or this concept in my head of what I want it to be and then putting words to it. And I don't know if you think similar or you do similar things, but that is something that I do. I guess more so my thoughts are are swimming around the idea of I'm getting very used to outsourcing things, which is a good place to be for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, on, on top of JB and Brent and Candace, I have a virtual assistant as well. And nice. I'm, you know, she's been around for almost two years, mostly with my day job, but I'm, I'm, getting her more and more involved in the short-term rental side of things too. But recently I've levered her up where we're having regular multi-hour meetings where I'm educating her on a lot of things, on nuances and giving her more and more responsibilities and, and creating projects assigned completely to her where she all out owns these projects. And she's somebody who's known me for a fucking decade and she's been working with me for two years, you know, sometimes just a couple hours a week, sometimes more, but she has a very good understanding of how I operate. She doesn't get offended about things. She doesn't get upset. She understands that if I do sound upsetting, I don't have any malice behind it. That's a big help. There's no emotions mixed in with it. And we're also good friends. So even after like today, after an hour of a, a work meeting, we then had an hour and a half of a personal phone call after that as friends. So that's, that's helpful and that's good. And I like that, but I'm at a point where I'm outsourcing a lot of tasks without having systems in place to outsource those things. So when I say I feel exposed, it's because now this person owns this portion, this process, this task, this project, and I don't have a system in place to replace that person. If that person ups and leaves or if that person fucks up so bad I have to get rid of them and assign it to somebody else. I'll have to take ownership of it again. And also, because I've outsourced so much, I feel like I'm getting weak in a sense by not having to go and do all these things. And I'm now more reluctant to go clean the maggots. Now I'm more reluctant to go mow the lawn, blow the leaves, shovel the snow, whatever it might be. I'm more reluctant to do those things. But on the, the flip side... Because I've freed up that time, that mental energy, that drive time and all of that, I am focused on bigger projects. Like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I have a property that's uniquely situated where I have two houses on the same property. I can split the deed. That's a path I can go down. Once I split the deed, I can refinance two separate houses and cash out way the fuck more. That's something I wouldn't have the mental space to do if I were cleaning maggots all the time. And on top of that, I'm looking at my day job and I'm in a position where I have a meeting scheduled and I'm positioning myself to all the work I'm doing for my territory with my virtual assistant and all of that. That could be far more effective if it were applied to the entire company. So because of that, I'm in a position to buy out the owner, take over the company through a very, very smooth transition process where he stays in the picture for years. So he's invested, and it's in his best interest for the company to have ongoing success. And then looking at that, thinking about that, not getting mired in the details and getting into the weeds on one little deal here or this process there, I'm thinking, okay, here's the big picture of what the company looks like right now. Here's what I'm doing in my territory. Here's the skill set of this guy over here in this territory. Here's what he's good at. Here's what he sucks at. Here's what I'm good at. Here's what I suck at. How can we leverage these different skills and apply them to the whole company? And, by the way, how can we grow massively if I have true control over this company? How can I take over more physical territory, more population, more just business territory? 
that's all that I'm thinking about. And that's all well and good. But I, I do have like this imposter syndrome where should I really be thinking about that when I don't have my shit together? But I think, I think, yeah, I think you, you do have, you do have your shit together. Like right now, dude, I just worked out a payment plan with the goddamn IRS. I just paid my 2018 and 2019 taxes. I, I just started making payments on my 2020 taxes, which are going to come due in just a few months. The only reason why you don't have your shit together is because you're still paying taxes legally. But, you know, once you get on the other side of that and you're not paying taxes legally, then, you know, you'll, you'll oh, feel better. My taxable better. income is almost non-existent. It's just <laughs> when, when I'm racking up three years of it, it the number gets big enough to be yeah. uh, a problem. Yeah, So, but I mean, so you're, you do have your shit together. But that's the whole thing is like... I mean, anybody that's getting a W-2, they're like, oh, you should get money back. And I remember when I first filed taxes for myself and was like, just, you know, just keeping my books and just uh, liberally writing things off and then realizing that, oh, well, as a Schedule F, like, that's pretty normal. So you're fine. Um, You know, man, I think, like, I don't... my, my accountant buddy, is making $7,000 a year off me right now. Who Your accountant? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, well, it's because I have, I have myself, right? I have Andrew. Then I have the 1099 technical employee contractor, Andrew. Then I have two separate LLCs. LLCs yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. I think... Um, you know, you, you could see what you could do. Like, does your accountant keep your books? Yes and no. Mm. It's hard to find a good accountant, man. I think, you know, when I read The Millionaire Next Door, and I would tell all these people, oh, you should get an accountant. You should do this because I read it in a book. And then you, like, get a couple accountants for yourself, and you talk to them, and it's like, they're good salespeople, but they're shitty fucking accountants. Um, you know, that, that's, that's something that I, I dealt with, but I, I think, man, like imposter syndrome is something that's normal. I think you're in a good spot. I think that, you know, if you want to, if you, if you want to feel good and you're worried about the real estate side of things, you know, say, Hey, look, um, I really appreciate what you're doing for me. Can I just come and hang out with you when you're working one day? I mean, or can I come and help you one day? Right. Um, I'll pay you the same, and I just want to come help you, just because I don't want to feel like I'm detached from this. You know, like I I just want to see what you do, so I can remember how much I really appreciate you. You know, something like that. But I think also, like you know, make it a point to go in and talk. Like I, I've I've struggled. One thing that hurt me was like I got a guy that wants to do. I got a couple guys that want to go do deliveries for me, right? Like I got to a point to where I like doing deliveries too, because you know, it's my it's my mobile. You drive a lot, right? Like you oh, yeah. enjoy driving too. Like we both really enjoy driving because I think like for us, we really like the thinking time that goes in there. But eventually you're going to outsource that too. Well, and so the, real quick, this gets back to the topic from earlier that I forgot to bring back up. But you talked about going out for a drive and listening to music, right? And clearing yeah. your head and just thinking. I've let that time get corrupted because yeah. now – it's podcasts all the time. My time for thinking, my time that I like enjoy being in my own head. Normally being in my own head is a horrible place to be and I fucking hate it. But when I do enjoy it, it's when I'm driving or when I'm doing dishes or cleaning the kitchen or something like that. But yeah. every second of that time is now filled with an audiobook or a podcast and it has been for years. And I can only listen to music when I'm driving super long distances and falling asleep i have to blast music or if i'm drunk yeah you know i like to drive a lot in silence um and or i'll get like some some you know weird music that gets my fucking thought thoughts going um and i and i and i've corrupted that too you know i i it's a weird thing i think sometimes you know, people like to shit on people that like to watch TV or people like to shit on people. It's like, oh, I don't watch TV because it does this. But it's like, yeah, but all you do is listen to podcasts or all you do is is you still just 
take noise and shove it in your fucking ears so you don't have time to understand what you like or what you really want or what you fucking think. Right? And so I think that's important, man. I think you need to, like, have space for yourself. And I think, like, and it goes back to, like, what can you control? And you can't necessarily control your thoughts, but you can be aware of them. And you can be aware of, like, okay, I need to tune that out and I need to encourage encourage this thought. Like, yo, I need to split this deed. And then it's like once you have that great thought, like, yo, if I split this deed, I can get fucking paid. And then you're like, just like, then like the fucking, uh, you know, the dopamine starts kicking in and it's not kicking in because you got some fucking stupid Facebook alert or some alert, like some fake dopamine hit but it's right. actually that's the shit that actually motivates you and keeps you going right like at least for me like the long-term big project stuff i'm i've i've become like, ex- i felt i felt like yesterday like i i've been wanting to get into um michael jordan the bee whisperer he's, he's he's a brilliant human being like i mean michael i'm so I, it took me a while to get him to fuck with me and then it we did a podcast together and I just talked to him about his backstory and he's a super fascinating guy. And, um, so we've been trying, like I took him to brothers Drake when I, when I flew him out here before, like the farm was even really a thing. And I was just really just a podcaster doing a part-time business, trying to get out of the rat race. Right. And like Michael, I thought was cool because like I'd done, I was doing, you know, comedy promotions and all that stuff. And it was like, Okay, so Michael's a lot funnier than most of these comics, and he actually is trying to tell me how we can do events. And he's like, if you listen to me, I'll make sure you make money. It's like, man, I've never worked with a comic where they're like, we'll make sure they make money. It's how many tickets are sold? It's like, well, motherfucker, you didn't do too much to sell these tickets, or motherfucker, you don't draw that many tickets. But man, I still really like you, and I think more people need to hear you. So, whatever, like, I'm about. I, I took so many losses promoting comedy shows, but we had some awesome parties and it was like, and I learned a bunch. So I'm not, I'm not hating. I love my comic friends, but it was like, okay, so we've been trying to do this thing to do like private mean making. Anybody that's into mean making knows this meadery in Columbus. And now like, my one of my favorite chefs is now the dude that's going to be making mead, and it's just like all this shit lined up. So I'm like thinking about okay, it's going to be the underground meadery at Brothers Drake. It's going to be a private event. We're gonna. It's not going to be open to the public. This is going to be like. And so it's like now as a successful entrepreneur, I'm thinking like, and this is yesterday, and I and dude, I was probably. Shouldn't have been driving home. You know what I mean? Like I went in there and my buddy's like, try this meat I'm working on. Try this meat I'm working on. And I, and I'm not a bad meat maker. Like I'm not an expert, but I learned from one of the best, you know what I mean? And I, and I kind of quit doing it, but it was like my like gears are just turning in my head and I'm calling Michael and I'm half drunk and I'm like, dude, this is awesome. This, this shit's just lining up, you know, like this is what we wanted four years ago, blah, 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 blah. And then I call my buddy who owns the defunct promotions company. I'm like, dude, this shit's lining up, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm driving up to Toledo today thinking about it. And then Michael calls me and I'm talking to him. And then Julian calls me while I'm on the phone with Michael. And it was just like things just start lining up. And it's like when you start to own your own headspace again, shit lines up. So once you like realize I need to tune out all this bullshit that's being forced on me, like, I think it's like things are just it's it's just harder now. But if you can get over the bullshit of like the left and what the left's trying to do, like, you know, I said something to Doe Dubes at the beginning of the year, like when I was just starting to, you know, when we did the first podcast, I was like, hey, man, like I want to do a clip. Let's break this down. Let's do this. He goes, honestly, Drew, I know we talked about doing this shit last year, but I don't give a fuck about what the left does because it has nothing to do with me and what I'm trying to do. And it like at first I was a little bit offended because I was like, I'm finally ready to start podcasting in. I'm finally ready to come to him. And I think this shit's going to be entertaining. But man, like he was right. Like looking at it, and that was almost a year ago. And looking back at it, it's like, man, if you give them any attention, it's just like the same shit Michael Malice says. 
you're playing defense instead of like when you're an entrepreneur and you're in a, this creation space, you're putting them on defense because you're not allowing them to dictate what you can think, what's affecting you negatively, what's this, because you're too busy worried about how the fuck can I split a deed and get paid? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's it's more about just focusing on your locus of control. And man, I used to be better at it, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's fucking frustrating, depressing, and also it, it saps motivation. I'm I'm noticing. Yeah, but once you can identify it, then it's empowering. So, let me ask you this: the next time we record. What yeah. topic do you want to get into? And we'll try and stick to it. Buddy, I really just like us having a, a the creative person in me, the creative spirit in me is like, let's have this. It's like, <laughs> I really liked Peyton Manning as a quarterback, right? Because like Tom Moore was his offensive coordinator. And like when he first started working with Peyton, they got him to a point where he'd give him three plays and he'd let Peyton look at the defense and choose. And then they got to the point to where he just gave him three ideas of plays. Then Peyton would come up with the plays, right? So I think, like, with podcasting, like, let's have some ideas of what we want to talk about and just talk. Because I think, like, if we organically come to this, uh, you know, this, this, you know, when you and I talk, man, we talk all over the place. But then, like, once we kind of lock in and then we both start focusing on a topic, I think like if we just hit a few things, because we talked a lot about business, we had our little bitch fest and we shared about why that bitch fest is important and why you can't let the, let the bullshit affect you. And now I'm like, man, I feel really good. Like I feel like you and I, I feel like I let something go that's been bothering me and now I'm like really ready to get to work. Um, so I think, you know, whatever it is, let's have a few ideas and let's try to cover it, and let's see where the conversation goes. Okay, yeah, because I'll, I'll tell you where my headspace was before this show. I am I run out of energy throughout the day, right? Like, I'm at my best before 9 a.m. That's just how I am. And by 4 p.m., I don't have the mental capacity to take on complex subjects, difficult issues, um, you know, roll with things that fly my way. I'm just out of it by then. And the next thing I know, it's the evening and I'm either out doing something or I'm loafing around and trying to put together some semblance of productivity around the house, like cleaning or whatever it might be. And before this show, you wanted to push it to 830. And I was cool with that because that decision was made, you know, when I was full of energy and, and mental capacity. But then at 730, I'm sitting there going man, I could just fall asleep right now. Right. And I had to come down here and turn on the stream and sit here. And I just thought I'm putting myself in front of this camera and I'm just on YouTube. This is a horrible feeling. I don't yeah. want to do this, but I already posted about it. So I've committed myself to doing it and Drew's going to show up. We've been trying to do this for a while and I'm so glad that we did, but me it, too, man. It, it I was just a, a tough thing to get to. And like, I, I had asked you yesterday, I said, you know, fire off some topics at me that you want to get into. And he didn't. He didn't give me anything. I said, let's talk about getting paid and getting laid. Right. So I said to myself, shit, I should really write down some ideas of what I want to talk about. Like, I should prepare. Because I'm the guy who doesn't prepare. And I'm also the guy that doesn't prepare. But I thought about this a lot today. And, like, um... I knew I was going to give you something good. And I was like, well, Andrew hasn't hit me up about these topics. So I don't think he's as worried about it either. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much because again, I don't prepare, but I did come down into this room earlier and, and I sat down for a minute and I wrote down a couple of ideas that were just floating around in my head. And we really didn't get into any of them too deeply. Um, certainly not to the degree that I expected just because I'm looking at a blank sheet of paper. Right. And I'm going, this blank sheet of paper is my blank podcast. And if I don't fill this piece of paper, this podcast will have nothing in it. But that's not true because that's not how I operate. Whenever I do plan, I never stick to that plan. And I have this problem where I go, I should really plan. I should be better about this. I should systematize things. I should stick to the plan. And 
when push comes to shove, I fucking don't. I don't plan. I don't stick to it. And then when it comes out good, I go, look at that. I didn't even plan. Look how fucking good it was. But well, it but doesn't. I, I think, like, you know, Kevin Geary talks a lot about this. And, like, Kevin Geary is a really good friend. Um, he used to be in the mastermind. And, like, Kevin said, Drew, the biggest thing for you is managing your inner rebel and realizing that you have the opposite problem that the e-myth talks about. And, and, it, and it was like, you know, he, he, when I was working a job, like Kevin helped me out a lot. So I want to shout out Kevin Geary, but I think like, man, like yours, that's why I think you and I really are kind of kindred spirits. Cause like we got some strong ass inner rebels that if like, we try to like, we know we need structure, but we also know that we will defiantly fight it and we will create a war within ourselves. Oh, I fucking love this. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we know like. And, and Kevin deals with that too. And I think it's like part of being like, it's the shit that like Jonathan Haidt's book's all about. Like libertarians are naturally system thinkers, but at the same time, like we appreciate systems, but we don't want to have to follow the rules of anything. Like that's just not who we are. Right. When I walked into your basement and I saw your system, I went, okay, what can I do to be beneficial here? Improve this system. I, yeah. And I was like, I like what you're doing. This is great. And dude, <laughs> it took me so fucking long. Like, dude, I was harvesting by myself and like we used to power wash cleaning trays. But now I got Tim. Like, man, if I didn't have Tim cleaning trays, I'd be so fucking pissed if I had to clean trays. Like cleaning trays in the wintertime was a goddamn nightmare. Because you can't really use a power washer in the wintertime. So it was like uh, we would just have to buy a lot of trays and then clean them at the beginning of the spring. And then it was like the business got too big for that. So it was like when Tim came in the picture, it was like, yo, what can we do? And then, nah, dude, Tim's just a machine at cleaning trays. I think for Tim, it's like a it's 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 a meditation. But I think at the same time, like, you know, like I don't want Tim to have to clean trays forever. Like Tim needs to find himself a Tim. And then Tim can start doing the bullshit that I don't want to do because that's the whole idea with a business is you you do the business your own and then you outsource the bullshit you don't want to do anymore. Or but the I shit you suck like at. Thing. What's that? Or the shit you suck at. Yeah. Like I suck at managing my CRM, so I have my assistant do it because she's happy to get paid to go and manage the CRM because it's not hard. It's simple shit. It's, it's easy. It's just organization. And I... I it's just something that always gets deferred. And I've noticed over time, no matter how much I want to be the guy who has the CRM, I never put the time and energy and effort into it. And that just, I've proven myself over and over and over that I will fail at that repeatedly. But I also, as proud as I can be about what you were highlighting about, you know, winging it and just going in without a plan. Yeah. I'll get overly proud about that because when it goes well, I go, look at that. That was pure, just off the cuff, improvised, whatever, right? And that feels super good. But I also think it's a protection mechanism where I go, where if it doesn't go well, I go, yeah, well, what do you expect? I didn't plan. <laughs> I didn't try. Of course it didn't go well. If I tried, yeah, it might have gone well, but I didn't try. So what do you expect, people? Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, were you diagnosed as oppositional defiance as a kid and the oppositional defiant disorder? I wasn't diagnosed as anything because my parents would never take me somewhere that would give me a diagnosis. Well, I applaud your parents for that. My, my was, parents, uh, their approach was shut up. Yeah. I mean, that's not probably good either. <laughs> I think there's like a fine line between like shut up and well, you are this, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I, I I think like it's something that's common within like the um, free thinking movement. Cause I don't even want to say anarchist anymore. Um, but I think like that defiance against authority is something that like is something that will protect you. But then it's something that you have to go to war with yourself all at the same time. Like it's this weird mixed bag and I like I see it in Kevin Geary I see it in Nathan um 
I see it in you. I see it in me. I see it in a lot of people, man. And I think now they're, they're calling it the autism spectrum, um, which is weird, but it probably makes sense. I probably am on some, we probably are in some spectrum of something because we don't fit into like normie bug society. You know what I mean? We're not, we're not cows moo mooing it every day, lining up for slaughter. Like we figure out how to find freedom in an unfree world. So, yeah, uh, and yet people don't seem to be unhappy with our performance or our contribution to the world. No, no. Like I think, like I'm so motivated. Something there. I remember. I remember. Um, oh man, I was like twenty. I was like twenty-three or twenty-four. And I was like a kiosk sales guy for Verizon. And I had this awesome boss uh, who was a hockey player. Like, he was a tough motherfucker. Like, he was just like, he was a dude that you didn't, like, he was a, he was a real man, so you didn't want to be a bitch. You know what I mean? So you didn't want to make excuses. And I remember Jeff goes, hey, Drew, you've been doing a really good job selling stuff. Can you talk at the meeting about what motivates you? And I was like, yeah, dude, no problem. So we're sitting there in the meeting, man. And it was like, you know, and, he, and he's looking at me like the, like, you know, like a senior salesperson motivating, like, so it was like, we'd merged with Altel. So we had a lot of Altel reps at the store and they were kind of beat down. And he's like, so, cause I didn't realize they were making a lot more money than we were, which I would have been beat down if I would have found that out at the time. So like, he's like, so Drew, what, what, why are you so hot? Why are you so good at selling smartphones? Why are you so good at selling these metrics that other people aren't? And so I got there, I go, guys, when I go to work, I don't want people to bother me. So if Jeff leaves me alone and he doesn't bitch at me, I love it. So I'm going to do the things so I don't get bitched at. And Jeff was not happy with that. <laughs> but that, that apparently was not a motivational talk for a lot of people. But that's what motivates me. Like, I don't want to be bitched at. I don't want to be bothered. Leave me the fuck alone. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to make you money if I work for you and I'm doing a job for you. So leave me the fuck alone. And I think you're probably the same way. Yeah. And, and that's how with my day job, that's how it is. Like I'm effectively self-employed at my day job, which is nice. And it's also worrisome because it's like, who the fuck am I? There's no safety net. But Yeah, but we operate well as safety nets. We get lazy bored and depressed yeah that's very true so we're right at just over an hour right around an hour i think that's great for a second half so let's fucking wrap it up because we can go into more and i don't feel like uh if i continue i'm gonna get uh i'm getting a little too drunk yeah yeah that's that's where i'm at too (laughs) so let's end on a high note before we fuck it up it sounds good. Can I put this out on uh, my feed? Can you send this shit to me so I can put it out on my feed too? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, give me some time to get it edited. But uh, speaking of your feed, where can people find other shit that you do? So samplehour.com. Um, right now, um, you can find me. I'm pretty active in some other podcast communities. So I'll shout them out. Like I said, so I'm Sir Bubba Hotep on Twitter, but I'm also uh, a knight within No Agenda, so I'm a big fan of No Agenda, and Hotep's been told you, so um, you can follow me on Twitter, Matt Your Sample, but I'm in, I, I fuck with their social networks, I'm pretty removed from Facebook, I'm pretty removed from Twitter, so you can find me in like Discord chats, Telegram chats, and then like No Agenda Social, so, but uh, if y'all want to fuck with me, man, you like this, send me a Facebook message. I'm a real motherfucker. Like you guys can hit me up with anything. If you ask me too many questions, I'll, I'm at the point to where I'll still be flattered. So feel free to <laughs> ask me whatever the fuck you want. Send me a message on Facebook, friend me on Facebook, drew sample. I'm not that shitty football player that plays for the Bengals. I still own the, uh, at your sample tag so he can, he can suck all the dicks in my opinion. So that's how drunk I am. But anyways, I appreciate the Portman show Andrew, I appreciate you. I really appreciate your audience. They asked me some good questions. So um, thanks for having me on, man. It was a great time. Yeah, and at the very I least, we need to get like a, a monthly thing where I just come to Columbus I and I fucking come out there and you put me to work. It's bedroom now. Yeah? Well, there you yeah. go. I yeah. don't have to sleep in the CRV. Nah, yeah, yeah, no. I got a bed. It's my old bed. It's comfortable. It's a double bed. But like I said, I got a beautiful Amazonian girlfriend. 
I'm six three. She's six plus. So we, I got a California king. You know what I mean? It's a shitty <laughs> fucking Amazon mattress, but it's still comfy for me. But so I got this really nice, comfortable twin bed. As long as you don't mind cats, you're more than welcome to come anytime, buddy. My whole life is just me alone in this giant house with a cat. So it'll feel like home. But uh, all right. Well, thanks so much, Drew. Um, I'm going to stop the show and I'll probably place an edit point somewhere before this statement. <laughs> <laughs>